Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Good evening, everybody. Jacob Daniel here. Another episode of the Daniel 3 podcast, episode 72. Uh, got a pretty cool uh, conversation that I'm going to have in store for you guys tonight with a couple of guests. Um, before we get started, um, first, as always, got to plug Rabbit Eye Blueberry Wine. If Jesus walked the earth today and was still turning water into wine, uh, I hope that it would be Rabbit Eye Blueberry Wine because it's the only it's the only wine that that you know true believers would would drink. So uh, rabbiteyewine.com, support libertarian small businesses. Um, other than that, um, I don't have too much to say in the introduction here. Going to keep that nice and short. Um, so we got two guests tonight, and uh, uh, one of them is a returning guest, and I'll bring them up first. 
is Caleb Brown from uh, Faith, Liberty, and Praxis. Caleb, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. You popped me in at the worst moment. I was it's in my forehead and just completely sewed my bot spots. You picked the worst <laughs> moment. Thank you for that, Zika. You bring me in and insult me right away. I feel I feel loved. That's that's how I show love. Is you know I mean I just it's it's a. Uh, I I, uh, I I insult and and rib and and make fun of you and, and that's how you know I care. I do the same. So we're right there. Right. Cool. Uh, it's been a little while since you've been on. I think. I think uh, about about three or four months. So you were about about due to come back on. So uh, it's been some major changes in my ideology, I believe. So it's to be interesting tonight. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit. So, um, or maybe I'll just put you back back down into the uh, the lobby for the rest of the uh, conversation. <laughs> Because we don't believe in free speech anymore. I, this is your property. I can't blame you for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. All right. Uh, second guest. Um, so uh, they are going to go by. I'm going to call them AC for the rest of the conversation. Uh, they are uh, on Twitter. Their their name is Anarcho Catholic, and the Twitter handle is Einkath, uh, mm. as in like Ayn Rand and Catholicism. And uh, I've you know, been following them for, for a little while on Twitter and uh, always like what they have to say. Um, uh, he's been on uh, uh, Caleb's show before. And so uh, tonight we're going to have a conversation and I'm going to, uh, you know, ask some questions and get to know him a little bit more. So uh, AC, how you doing tonight? Doing well. You brought me to the worst possible moment too. The hair is all messed up and the cross isn't straight. <laughs> <laughs> doing well, Jacob. Thanks for having us. Yeah, no, of course. So, um, you know, Caleb, you've you've been on the show, and uh, but it's been a little while. So why don't you know you give a little bit of a just introduction again of uh, who you are and uh, what you talk about on your podcast? So yeah, well, my name's Caleb. I uh, run Face Liberty and Praxis, um, but basically all I do is book clubs. So um, the episodes don't come out often, but when they come out, I like to think they're pretty good. I also uh, run the Osteotomism website with Einkast and uh, another guy called Belkoff. We put out um, this mixing of Austrian, Austrian economics and Thomism. We put out a lot of good Catholic content over there. Uh, politically speaking, I don't know where I am. <laughs> uh, I'm just I'm, I'm as far white wing as you can be. That's about where I'm at. Um, but besides that, nothing really, nothing there. Just, I have fun talking to people, and I think I'm I'm not interesting, but I have interesting guests on. So good enough. The uh, um, crap! I had I had a question and I already forgot it. Um, you know that's how uninteresting you are, Caleb. You made me completely forget what I was gonna say. Tell my so. Tom, terrible host. Imagine talking to the guy and he's like, "To answer your question, I don't care." Oh, Shut yeah, up no. Oh, I was gonna say I know what Thomism is, but but maybe for those who don't know, uh, uh, maybe explain it. Now, Thomism is the um, fluicity of uh, Aristotelianism, the philosophy of Aristotle. Uh, Thomism is the philosophy of Saint Thomas Aquinas, which is built on. Uh, Catholicism, Christianity, and uh, Aristotle and Augustine. It's just the, uh, it's in my opinion, the only legitimate philosophy out there today. Like everything else that's very uh, popular today is kind of uh, trash in comparison. It doesn't understand reality, metaphysics, or the, the mind bodies, and doesn't anything. And so, if you you can be a fan of the philosophy and learn from them, but really, if you have to call yourself anything and you're not going by Aristotelian or Thomas, I I don't think you know enough to go and talk about anything. Okay, we'll get into that a little more in a second. Uh, AC, um, you're first time on, on my show, and you know you're you're one of those weird people that likes to go uh, anonymous on Twitter. Um, you know to to try to I guess you know I mean good on you I guess for for trying see how long that that uh 
that that holds out. But uh, you know, without getting too personal, I guess maybe explain a little bit about yourself and uh, you know, kind of what your beliefs are. Sure, and until the Washington Post does an expose on me, right? If I get if I get too big, um, right? <laughs> so yeah, um, cradle Catholic, um, like Caleb, pretty pretty. I guess a right leaning uh, anarchist at this point. Um, yeah, so um, when when Caleb started up Ostrotomism, hopped on as one of the one of the contributing writers, done a couple of roundtables with him. But yeah, so I'd I'd say, um, just like with Caleb, you know, the, the philosophy, and that's that's really where my biggest interest lies is coming in with the, with the ground level philosophy and then building up what we know from that, and that starts with Aristotle and it goes through goes through Saint Thomas, um, and then you know borrows heavily from from a lot of of twentieth century thought, especially about you know, Austrian economics. Uh, von Mises, Rothbard, and De Hoppe. Um, so yeah, and I, I think I think the the name that that we had for uh, for Caleb's project of Ostrotomism really sort of summarizes pretty well where where I'm I'm trying to fall uh, in my in my philosophy and my politics. The the name goes outside to Gold Guy on Twitter uh, at Billion Boy Twenty Two. I think is his handle. We were going to call it Paleotomism because it was right wing. But he said, "Hey, it's called Austrian Thomism," and he tweeted at us three days in a row to change it, and so we did change it. Hmm. Okay, so I guess uh, so. So what you're saying is uh, peer pressure wins. (laughs) (laughs) When you're right, you're right. You know. (laughs) Um. All right. Well, um, I guess let's get into the conversation a little bit. Um. So I'm familiar with Thomas Aquinas. Um. But you know, maybe we could. You know, you guys could just explain a little bit about uh his background and sort of maybe just i don't know like the maybe the basics like you know if you had to give like a five five minute elevator pitch for what you know uh Thomism is and sort of what the the basic you know philosophical uh approach and worldview is um you know maybe each of you kind of uh take a turn taking a shot at it uh i guess uh We'll go in reverse order. AC, why don't you go first? Sure. Well, like like Caleb mentioned, the the grounding for for St. Thomas's work was Aristotle. Oh, that's cool. My cup my cup is green enough that it just Ooh. completely disappears. I thought, yeah, I was thinking you had a, a transparent cup because I'm an idiot and forgot you've got a you've got a green screen. Yeah, you can kind of see it on my fingers that it's <laughs> it's like yellowish green, but like oh, that's so cool. All right, you're, you're streaming from my the new metaverse. favorite cup. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so so the the basis is is in Aristotle. Um, I'm trying. The, the, uh, Saint Thomas got a, a translation of Aristotle into into whatever his vernacular was. I'm, I'm blanking on what he would have read it, it in. Flint. Yeah, I think I think that. you're right. Um, yeah. But the um, and as Caleb said, you know, it's sort of it's the the right philosophy. You know, Saint Thomas wouldn't have called himself a Thomist. He wouldn't. Uh, you know, the the sort of modern trend is to say, okay, here's my idea of philosophy, and you know take Rand, for example, here's objectivism, here's my conception of what philosophy should be. And Aquinas wouldn't have thought about it that way. Aristotle wouldn't have thought about it that way. They're trying to discover how the world works. And if they're doing it correctly, you can't say, well, I have a different opinion. Like either they're right or they're wrong. And, and um, it's, it's this grounding in reality is, you know, Aristotle starts from the physical, you know, he defines what physics is. He says, okay, these are the things we know about physical things. And you you build a understanding of everything from those those ground realities that you don't that aren't debatable that it's just like this is what's true, this thing is in front of me, um, and that's what we all have to do. You know, we don't really think about that, but you don't really you know we are we are blank slates in a sense if we don't have other ideas that we sort of can build off of. We start with those things that we know, and that's where understanding comes from. Um, and so the the philosophy of Aristotle and then Aquinas is building up everything we can that are that's from the real. 
And Aquinas's great contribution is that he can go all the way from that through Aristotle and, and does a lot of really good writing on Aristotle and can make some very impressive theological discoveries and understand more about the nature of the mysteries of the Catholic church or the nature of God. Um, but it's, but it's all based on the fundamental and the real, and there's no, there's no suppositions in there. It's, there's no axioms. There's principles of reality that we know are true. And then, then the, the use of reason to try and build from those. Yeah. I remember the first time I, uh, was, was introduced to, to Aquinas was sort of, uh, I think one of the things he's he's more famous for is trying to make the the argument for God from uh, I guess like be the argument of the the unmoved mover uh, or, or or I don't know exactly how he put it but and there's been many renditions of that since then but yeah it seems like he uh, you know de definitely somebody who from what I know about him was trying to um, have his foundation I guess start with reason and then and and logic and and you know empirical reality and then kind of build from there and, you know, and, and sort of prove the Bible as, as opposed to, you know, the theological camp that, that, that I'm more loosely associated with, uh, in the reformed camp, they, they typically start from a different foundation. They, they start more with the Bible and, uh, and then work their way out from there. So, um, but yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Caleb, do you have any, anything you'd want to add to that as far as, uh, you know, what, what sort of, you know, again, the, the basic elevator pitch or summary or most important tenets of what, what Thomism is? I would say one of the more important tenets of Thomism that kind of influenced a lot of it is it is the coming together with faith and reason to the absolute best of what those both can do. And so it's a big emphasis on reason, big, big, big emphasis on faith, properly understood faith, properly understood reason. Um, and is it, it's not it's not dualistic, but it's accepting that human beings are hilo, I think the word's hylomorphic, is that we are corporeal, but we also have an immaterial mind, except of immaterial things. And so there's a um, big emphasis that we, it's not one or the other. It's like there is a um, lot of non-contradiction, but we are beings that are corporeal and have immaterial aspects to us. And so there's, um, I think understanding that is understanding a lot more of what Aquinas writes about. What, um, so, so here's a question that pop, pops into mind, um, and if there isn't an answer, that's fine. I'm just, just curious if there is one. Would 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 Aquinas or or uh, Catholicism in general have anything to say as to where like is is God the source of the laws of logic, or are the laws of logic sort of like a a, a like are, are they do they sort of exist? separate from god or like do they always exist with god and are a part of god this is something that i remember when like william Lade craig had a debate with uh james white on a on a separate it was like a, a debate on um molinism yeah yeah uh but but they got into this kind of like are things true because god dictates they're true um and kind of like a truth maker theory or is it more that uh things are true because logic is sort of a uh you know either something that is part of God or, or is sort of separate and like the laws of logic are true and eternal in the same way that God is. Uh, what are what are your thoughts on that? I got you want to take this one. You want me to, yeah, sure. to take I, it? I, I can, I can give an attempt at this um, and please chime in as you're able. I, I would say, I think the, the understanding from Aquinas and from, I think even from Aristotle that I would, I would probably agree with the, the laws of logic aren't, don't have some some special ground. We, we tend to have these concepts that we try and we put them in you know, the sort of platonic ideal. There's sort of this realm of ideas that that act on the world. The laws of logic 
are one things that you derive from reality. You know, if you sit there and say that, that something is, is or isn't, and it can't be both, that's not, that, that's something you observe. That's something that you derive from the observable world. As I notice, okay, you know, either, either my, my computer is sitting in front of me or it's not sitting in front of me and it can't be doing both. Right. So that, that's, that's a property of reality. That's where, that's where the law comes from. It's not that it's acting on reality. Reality behaves the way it is. Reality is. And one of the things that I notice about the nature of reality is that things are, or they aren't. So you could say God created reality. And when God created reality, part of what is inherent in reality is sort of like uh, consistency, logic, and things do not contradict. And this is kind of part of the natural order that God created. That yeah, I think that's say? fair. I think, and, and, it's, okay. and it's the way things, I mean, it's, it's, we can't really imagine things otherwise, you know, could he have made a reality that was, I mean, saying reality is inconsistent is a, is a, is a contradiction already. I mean, that, that's a, um, a paradox, you know, or a, what's the word I'm thinking of? Yeah. Know, it's, 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 it doesn't make sense to sit there and talk about like, I mean, when we say something makes sense, <laughs> the word sense is from sense reality. You know, the, the laws of logic are, are conditioned by reality. Reality is the way it is. And, and we observe it and we can, we can write some laws down about it. Sure. Yeah. No, it's interesting. It's, it's definitely something that, that I've, I've often, I've, I've spent a lot of time in my, you know, just <laughs> in, in my, uh, deep philosophical thought throughout, throughout, uh, the last couple of years thinking about, um, so I'm trying to think where I want to go next. Cause there's a lot of different ways we could go from here. Um, I guess, you know, what, what would say, wh where does, um, is the Austria part. So the, the Austrian, you know, economic or Austrian libertarian part, is that something that, that you, you would say is just an addition to, to the, 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 the Thomas philosophy, or do you think that, that it did, did, did uh, Aquinas speak anything about economics or politics and, and, and it's compatible or even maybe a precursor to, to Austrian uh, theory? If you read Murray Rothbard's History of Economic Thought, you will see that he, he does trace Austrianism. Some people trace it to, um, was it Kant? And um, say mm -hmm. a lot of Mises and is Kantian. I don't think so. I think he traces a lot of the Austrian principles to the scholastics, which were uh, to Thomas. You could see Thomas, scholastic, and pretty much interchangeable. Um, and so you could trace a lot of it back to the early scholastics. I'm, I'm terrible at remembering names of anybody who's not Aquinas. Um, so I can't name any of them. But uh, if anyone wants to know about it, I would say his book on it covers it. And my Wasp has chapter on Aquinas is on MidasInstitute.com. And it's really interesting, really good. Um, Aquinas was not great on economics. He did kind of have some of the same problems Aristotle had. But people came after him really did get economics right. And so I think you can make a strong case for Austrianism being, if, if Thomism was to have an economic system part of it, it would look very similar, if not exactly the same as Austrianism. And I think to the, the degree that the Scholastic sort of um, started that tradition in a lot of ways, and then and Caleb's absolutely right, you know, you, there, you can trace back a lot of those ideas to the, to the I think, the, the mid-Scholastics. Um, and who, but in terms the, of it, who are the Scholastics, just, just for, for clarification? They were the Thomists, pretty much. They were just, um, <laughs> they were, they were, they were just Catholic philosophers or priests or Dominicans something like that who were so just very Catholics that came him. after Aquinas who were influenced by his pretty by much. his work. I mean, it, pretty much. It's it gets kind of confusing with the different schools of thought inside uh, Catholicism because it's Augustinian yeah. and Thomism, we'll, we'll, but they're both we'll, doctors. We'll get to that. Yeah. So it's, it gets a little confusing, but scholastic to be economically inclined ones, I believe. I will say it's it's not just the, it's not just like the Thomistic school. Like Thomas was a scholastic, but it's 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 the the most of the big church thinkers of that era. So, so St. Thomas was the 13th century, I think. 
Um, so typically, I think starting somewhere around the 1100s to maybe 1400 or so, it's it's the a lot of the the philosophy coming out of the church in that time is, is what's was part of the scholastic tradition. Okay, St. Thomas being the the biggest name from that. Okay. Um, so so Caleb brought up something, which is another thing I wanted to get into, which is a little little off topic from Austro Thomism, uh, but it still kind of relates to the broader conversation I wanted to have. Um, one of the things I've started to see as I've started to kind of dip my toe into learning more about c- Catholicism from someone of a, you know, reformed Protestant background is that there seems to be, it, it's not as monolithic as I, I uh, assumed it would be. Um, there, there are, uh, I've heard speak to what Caleb uh, already gave reference to that there's different, you know, orders, like there's the, um, the there's the Augustinians, there's the uh crap what's the one uh, uh the Jesuits, Jesuits. yeah and, uh, dominicans i said three that i can name i don't think i think there's more but I can't yeah i think there's even more than that because i remember i remember listening to there was like this one catholic podcast i tuned in on and they were like just they they went through all of them and i think there was like like eight or nine that they they yeah. listed so uh um but what is what is sort of like the i don't know the origin or the reasons or the mm-hmm. the ways that, that that's kind of developed and how does that how does that work within Catholicism, these different yeah. orders? And, well, and... Before we answer that question, I would like to bring up that anyone who thinks that Catholicism is sort of like one pure monolithic ideology has like strict rules you have to adhere to. Um, there were debates between the Jesuits and the Dominicans where they literally tried to clear them with heretics and the Pope had them locked in cages for the, the, why they were yelling at each other because they tried to hurt each other. So it's the idea that it's one monolithic religion is just not borne out by history because they would they would it's you know the uh, a, a, Came exact story, but I read somewhere that a Pope basically said, You guys can no longer declare other people heretics for a while because you keep declaring everyone else on the opposite end heretics. And so the church has pretty much, um, I'll use an example when it comes to this because saw was uh, evolution in young earth. The church does not have a strict teaching on evolution in young earth. You can believe in young earth, you can believe in evolution, you can be he's the one. All you have to do is accept that at one point in evolution, uh, when Homo sapiens evolved to the point God breathes a soul into them. Um, and you don't have to be, so you don't have to hold these ones. They, they have a scaffolding to say, okay, you have to be within these boundaries, and that's not heresies. But inside those boundaries, they're all acceptable differences. And so it's, I don't know if I guess I want to take it from there, but that's um, my answer to the question. Yeah, I, I can add a little bit more. So in, in terms of whether or not the, the church is a monolith or not, and, and to some extent, it certainly is. You know, there's there's you know there, there's the idea that Rome has spoken, and if if the church has made a determination on something, that's what Catholics are supposed to believe. Um, where a lot of the sort of religious orders come from is oftentimes throughout the, the history of the church, there'll be some issue or some problems that someone will come along um, and, and realize that there's that something, something is missing from people's spiritual lives or there's some kind of need for something. So like with the, the Franciscans, um, you know, there, there's, um, they, they notice, um, you know, issues with, um, oh, what am I trying to say? Sorry, I'm just completely losing my train of thought. Um, but they, they, they take these extreme vows of poverty. There's this idea that, okay, we, we're getting too materialistic. We need to sort of end these things. And it's, it's never that, you know, one group says this, another group says this, and they're in conflict. They can just be different focuses on different ideas. So one order might sit there and say, okay, you know, charity is, our, is the most important things for us. We want to really try and emphasize charitable good works. Um, other ones can be more theologically motivated and, and, and more um, interested in philosophy. Um, and it's like like any other kind of organization, you have specialization within it. There's there's groups that say, okay, sure. this is what's really important to us. This is what we're going to focus on. And again, they can these can evolve sort of separately from each other. And that's you know sometimes they have disputes, and sometimes you know Rome needs to intercede, and so they say, okay, this is the right answer. Or you know what, it might not really matter for salvation. You guys can can have your differences of opinion, and that's okay. 
This just okay. reminds me of a, a joke. Um, again, it's like it's, it's a funny joke about the whole different um, orders, but it kind of illustrates a point. Uh, do you know the difference between a Dominican and a Franciscan is? Um, it's not Jesuits. Dominicans are founded to combat the heresy of Albigensianism. Um, Jesuits are founded to combat the heresy of Protestantism. Have you ever met any Albigensians? <laughs> Uh, it's kind of, it's still really, they're founded the combats. They, a lot of them are founded to combat certain things. And it, uh, I think that kind of illustrates that a little bit. Okay. Um, I'm curious because uh, of all of them, the one I'm the most curious about, and I've, I've tried to learn more about, but I can't find much on. I don't know if you guys, either of you know much about the Augustinians because, you know, St. Augustine is sort of the one who, if I was going to look back into the Catholic Church and find, you know, someone who, is closest to where I'm at theologically, it would be Augustine, but I, I don't know much about the the Augustinian Catholics. I don't know if either of you know much about them or I have not I don't know a lot about Augustine. Sadly, I need to read more on Augustine. I know uh popular liberty prefers Augustine to Aquinas. Um so he's probably better talked about that. Yeah, I don't know we get along so well. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be actually yeah, he's, he's he's so aggressive on Twitter. We actually talked to the guy, he's very agreeable and I know people get so I know people get so pissed off at him because like he's just a he, he, you know what he is? He's like the Jeremy Kaufman of the post-libertarians. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's just like, like in like very insane and aggressive, and doubles down and triples down and quadruples down, and and will do everything to trigger you on Twitter. But then you have him on your podcast, and he's just like this, like this nice, lovable guy who just got married and just found out he's gonna have a kid, and like yeah. you know, it's just, you know, Twitter's not real life. Go touch, go go touch some grass or. Yeah. You know, whatever. I will say, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is true because I read this um, from a priest about Aquinas. But the only person Aquinas quoted more than the Bible and uh, Aristotle was Augustine. Like he quoted Augustine a lot, and um, so I think there's a the philosophy kind of builds into each other. You know, it's um, but I, I don't know too much about Augustinian uh, August, Augustinianism. I guess you would call it instead of Thomism, but um, maybe Einkast can take more of that one. Yes, yeah, so in terms of the Augustine order, like I, I, my impression is that it's sort of been in decline. You know, it, it started 11th, 12th century, something like that. Um, and again, like you know, these these things come into existence for some purpose. Um, and I, I think the the friars were a big part of the, August, the Augustinian order. Um, but the, you know, as, as you know, maybe they they address the issue that they needed to address, or or society or the the church sort of moves forward. These things can wax and wane depending on sort of what the needs of society are. So my, my impression is currently there there's not a whole lot of Augustinians around. Um, and beyond that, I know that they, I think they sort of started the, the, the idea of the friar was, was, a, was an Augustine idea. Um, I've probably read a little bit more of, of St. Augustine than, than Caleb has. Um, he's very good, very dense. <laughs> the, the farther back you go, the sort of harder, like, you know, I would say it's, it's very hard to read um, Aquinas anyways, because he's writing in a way that that's, you know, it's 800 years old and it's very distinct from what we do now. And St. Augustine is like 800 years before that. So it's, it's right. Yeah. Excellent to read, but it's, you have to, you have to sort of prepare yourself and you have to sort of, you know, flex your brain a little bit beforehand and get a good, it's a, it's a mental workout to get through his stuff, but it's, yeah, I, sure. he's, I can, I, I think Aquinas certainly does a, a more thorough job in terms of the philosophy and the rigor, but I think there's, there's a lot of value in, in St. Augustine. And very worth I, reading. I posted a link to the private house in the regular comments if you want. It's a link to the uh, Augustine Institute uh, YouTube channel. So I think you might find out useful. I, I prefer the Thomistic Institute, but they had some good lectures on the uh, Augustine Institute as well. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just curious. It's something I'm still looking into. Um, so 
another thing we wanted to, wanted to talk about, so, you know, kind of, I guess maybe both of you could give an answer to uh, why are you Catholic? <laughs> Just to be blunt. Like, Cause it's uh, true. Cause it's true. Okay. And, and podcast. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, what, what, what brought you to Catholicism? What, what about Catholicism do you uh, find makes it, you know, that, that you, what about it do you find that convinces you that it's true or that it's, the, you know, the, the, the best for you or, or whatever, uh, Kayla, maybe start with you, and then we'll go to AC. Okay. Um, well, the reason I one of the reasons I think it's true is uh, over I'm a Catholic is I uh, the one of the big things for me going into it was this emphasis on faith and reason because I would have no insights. I, I think that's a beautiful way to go about life is faith and reason. Um, I came from a very um, fundamental Protestant church that was very young us only uh, Ken Ham types, and so. Being a fan of science and Lucin wasn't really great. Yeah, wasn't really great. Um, <laughs> but that led me to finding out like this Bale and Aquinas, uh, the church of teaching of Lucin, Jimmy Aiken. And that just kind of done rabbit hole of finding out, okay. And every, um, not just that, but the, the beauty of it all, the, the structure of it all. You walk into a uh, Catholic church and every, everything has a symbol. Everything is symbol, uh, symbolic. From the 13, um, I actually can't remember the card now, but the, the certain things on the water, the picture is walking from the cross to he was crucified, to the stained glass windows, to where the, tab- where the tabernacle is, where everything is placed. The, the mass is a beautiful liturgy. The rosary, there's so much beauty in Catholicism that is, is helpful for the everyday life and their understanding of what prayer is and what church, what church is for is, um, I think, much better help you get through life. I think some of the ways that you can use Catholicism and help you get through life is just so beneficial that it's it's great. Even if it wasn't true, just for the naturalistic benefits alone, I would say people should be Catholic. Uh, because it is true, you get everything that comes with that. Um, and so I, that's one of my big reasons for going there and staying in there and being Catholic. Okay. AC? So I'm, I'm going to disagree on the thing that Caleb said at the end, is that even if it wasn't true, you should you should believe it anyways. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's glib, it's a little trite, but the absolute answer is because it's because it's true. Um, the, 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 the religion that you should follow, the beliefs you should have are the ones that are true. Yeah. And there's this, this kind of idea, and I, I don't want to ruffle too many feathers, but like, you know, this, this church feels better, or I enjoy this more, this sort of resonates with me more. If, if your church is teaching something that you don't think is true, you shouldn't be part of that church. Like ultimately yeah, sure. it, should, it should be about what, what's about what, what you think is true. Um, so, so what makes Catholicism true and, 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 uh, Protestantism or Orthodoxy, uh, not true? Sure, and I mean we can we can find some little fine detail things, but for the most part, it's it's this basis in reason. You know, like the, the um, Aquinas is, is, has these highest honors in the church. You know, as, the, as a as a doctor of the church, and it's because he sits there and bases things on reason. You know, Caleb mentions this idea of faith and reason. Um, they they don't live in two separate worlds. We don't sit there and say, okay, well here I can I can use reason to get to things, and here I can use faith to get to things, and somewhere in the middle, you know, we have this nice happy sort of sort of lovey dovey situation where everything works out. Faith is extremely important. Faith grows out of reason, right? If we, if we think of, you know, and the way we understand divine faith is through by understanding human faith. That's the best analogy to it. If Caleb tells me something, should I believe him or not? Well, what do I know about Caleb? You know, I, I base it on reason. Is okay, okay, I know Caleb tends not to lie to me. Maybe he doesn't, he doesn't but he's, he's got a trustworthy face. But there, there's some basis for reason. You know, I can understand the words he's saying. I can understand that he exists as a person. There's, there's my understanding of what really is. And from that, I can say, okay, should I trust him? Should I not trust him? 
like when, when Aquinas goes, one of the reasons it's important to him to try and prove the existence of God is, well, what, what should our divine faith be? Should our, should our faith be, I believe that God exists, or should it be, I know God exists, and now I'm going to believe what he says, or I'm going to believe that what his, what his son tells us, or I'm going to believe the, the things that are preached by his church. Because um, without reason, faith just becomes gullibility. You know, again, on, on the human level, that's certainly true. Um, and, you, and you start running into a lot of issues. You know, a lot of the, the criticisms, mostly naive criticisms, but you'll hear from atheists, is that they sort of have this idea of faith without reason. And, faith, and if, if, you do, if, you're faith, if you do have faith without reason, you are just being gullible. You know, there is a, there is a place for faith, and there's a place to, but it, but it's to expand upon the things that you do know with certainty, um, and the Catholic Church realizes that has has articulated extremely well, and has you know we talk about there's these these the works of Augustine, the works of Aquinas, and it's it's not just them sort of saying, well, this is what I think might be true, or this is what this Bible passage says, or this is how I want to understand this. Is this say, okay? Do we know this is true? Yes. Okay. Therefore, we know this is true, right? Yes. Therefore, we know this is true, right? Yes. Okay, now what is now what does the Bible say about that? And it's it it builds this coherent whole, but it has to be grounded in reason because we're grounded in reason, right? You, you you mentioned earlier, Jacob, this idea that we the the Protestant tradition sort of starts with okay, well, what does the Bible tell me? But even that, you need to have a basis in reason. You need to know what a book is. You need to know what an author is. You need to know what words mean. You need to understand okay that this is written about someone that did something. Um, and for the, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's baby steps, but there's still a grounding there. It's, it's not like the Bible, you know, beams, beams revelation into your head. It still has to build, you know, if, if Jesus tells a parable, you need to know what a vineyard is. You need to know what grapes are. You need to know what, what a father and a son are. Um, and the, the more, the more firm that foundation can be, the more that your faith can, can grow. And- to, 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 to clarify, I wouldn't say that the entirety of the, the, uh, the, uh, reformed or protestant tradition is maybe would uh, autistically or extremely <laughs> pursue a hyper like bible first but sure, but it is sure. it, it, it is something that exists uh but there are some who there are plenty who would get people like william lane craig who you know would, would absolutely agree with the and even i would agree with the, the 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 high importance on on a reason and philosophy for for how we you know there's different ways to read you know when we're trying to translate the bible uh, we need to be able to use logic to go back and study the translations and, you know, compare them to the original manuscripts and try to stay true to the original text. And then uh, on top of that, we need to, you know, have a proper uh, hermeneutic that makes sense of the Bible because uh, the Bible will, you know, the, the Bible interprets the Bible a lot of times. And so we have to, you know, read things with a proper understanding. So, yeah, I'm com- completely with you on that. Hmm. And I, I, I probably present a little, I certainly present a little bit in caricature, but I'll, I just want to sort of hammer home that point that, like we said, you, you have to start with the reason and then the faith can grow from that. And again, I think that, I think the Catholic church has, has done the most exquisite job of, of doing that and of being right. Again, there's, there's a long tradition of saying a lot of very true things. Now, what about when Jesus says, you know, unless you come to me like a child, you know, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So like, you know, what, you know, some people say we should have a a childlike faith. Uh, is that is that a misunderstanding, or is there is there you know something there that's compatible with having a faith that is you know grounded in reason and not gullible? Because I mean, I hear what you're saying, um, but but I also part of me like part of me thinks that faith can be reasonable, but then I also tend to, what I like to what I talk about is that I also make a differentiation between faith and knowledge and i have faith that god exists i have faith in the claims of the bible um but if i 
if I were to state the things in the Bible uh, that I believe in and then say instead of that I believe in them, that I know they are true, well, I've I've kind of distorted the word faith to just be the same as knowledge. And to me, you know, if I'm going to use my reason and logic, I think that those words probably have different meanings and connotations. So, um, but I don't know, that's, those are my thoughts. What, what would you say to that? Sure. And, and Caleb, please, if you want to jump in, I want to give you a donut because I've got lots to say here, but I want to make sure. Dude, I am exhausted from work today. Take, okay, that's go fine. ahead and take, take, take some leave. Sure. So uh, one, I think that distinction is, is very important. And I think people, even outside of theological context, people don't understand that there's some things they believe and there's some things that they know, and they don't know the difference between the two of them. And I'm, I'm going to take a bit of a tangent here, but I'm going to go off this is some, some very obvious physical question. Does the earth go around the sun or does the sun go around the earth? And do you believe that or do you know it? And I'm, I'm, I will say, I've, I've certainly believe that the earth goes around the sun. Mm-hmm. How would I prove that to you? How do I know that from direct evidence and how do I, and how much of it is, is faith that I've placed in other people telling me that that's true. And everyone think, okay, I know that, but you don't, you believe it. It turns out to be true. And you, I mean, there's, there's a process that you can go through and observe parallax and all these kinds of things. But we forget that distinction is there's things that we believe that we think we know, and there's things that we know that we think we believe. And it's really important to sort of separate those two things in any context. Okay. But like, so, so that, that's sort of a example that talks about something that, that, you know, we can only indirectly test and measure. What about the things we can directly test and measure? So like, for example, I mean, you know, we're talking to each other right now. And and I, I would, I would say we would probably agree that we know, that we are talking to each other right now. Sure. Or like if you stub your toe, you know you... St- I mean, as long as we're going to reject solipsism and agree that solipsism is stupid. Um, <laughs> so, but leaving that off the table, it's like, you know, when you stub your toe, you know when you're talking to somebody. Um, so, you know, w- you know, w- would you agree right. with that? Yeah, and so I'll make sure I'm, I'm, not, I'm not rejecting the idea of knowledge. Like it, it, I could go through and I could do the things to make it rigorously true to me that the, that the earth goes around the sun. And I actually have some idea how I do that. I think a lot of people. Right. Like, Even then, though, I think that like the way we would test those is like there's a difference between knowledge we know through inference of indirect observation and tests versus things that we directly observe. through. Sure. And then that, that's, that's the action of the reason. Right. That's intellectual yeah. knowledge versus sensorial. This knowledge. kind of gets into actually Ayn Rand and objectivism a little bit, which Probably we'll a little get bit. into. We'll, we'll, yeah. Um, and sorry, <laughs> that was a bit of a but yeah, like. My knowledge and, and my and the things that I believe are are distinct things, and it's important I tell the difference between those two things. Um, to your example of our faith should be childlike, I think that's that's a correct understanding and a correct interpretation. I will say I've got a I've got a two year old running around my house. Fortunately, I think he's finally fallen asleep. Um, he was banging the walls right when we started. I was really going to make too much noise. <laughs> And he has incredible faith in me that you know he will he will surprise trust fall me at the worst possible times, and I will catch him. Um, two year olds are great that way. He's fantastic. I have one myself. <laughs> and it's it's a childlike faith, but it's not, you know, he's not going to do that with a stranger. He's not going to walk up to a stranger and say, he's going to catch me. He knows something about me. He doesn't, it's not very clear in his mind. There's he, but he's, yep, that's, that's daddy. He can do anything. He's going to take care of me. I, so can, the, I can. Okay. So, so the childlike, so the childlike nature of the faith is in the trust uh, aspect of that faith more so than the, you know, the lack of reason. Yeah, and there's and there's things that he's you know I, okay I don't know how Daddy's going to do this but Daddy's going to do it I don't know if, like 
he, he's caught me every time he's going to catch me. But the point is, it's not, it's not naivete. It's not, it's not purely like I, I have no basis for thinking daddy's going to catch me when sure. I decide I'm going to walk in this terrible place. It's like, nope, that daddy looks after me. I don't know. And, and the, the, the childlikeness comes from, I don't need to know how it's going to work. I don't need to understand <laughs> everything about what God can do or how I can do it. I know he's there. I know he's, he's powerful. And I know he, he loves me. And that's, that can be enough, yeah. but I know right. those things. And then the what sort of comes from everything else. A good analogy I've heard. Now, this analogy is weird for me to use because I work on cars for a living. So I actually know how they work. But for <laughs> most people who don't have the kind of knowledge that I have on how cars work, they have faith that when they turn their key, their car will turn on and that will get them from point A to point B. But they don't really know the exact mechanisms that make their car work. You know I mean, like they have a very it's, rudimentary it's, it's, it's magic that the, the keys connected to, to a wire that connects to, a, you know, hamsters running in the front. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not how that works. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, but, but at the same time, they, they have good reason for having faith that the car will work because like it's done it before and they see other people doing it. And and so you know it's it's, a, it's a kind of a crude metaphor, but that's that's sort of how I justify my faith in God. Is that like, well, it works. Like when I you know when I follow what the Bible says, when I pray to God, when I when I lean uh, into what, what what the Holy Spirit is is putting on my heart, um, you know things go well for me. And when I don't, things don't go well for me. And I think that's also true when uh when we look at history and society when people stray from God, things go badly. When people, you know, follow God, things, you know, generally go well. And uh, some of the, the best developments in our society, I think, have, um, you know, largely been influenced by Christians, largely Catholicism. Um, so I mean, I've read uh, Tom Woods, How the Catholic Church <laughs> Built Western Civilization. So I'm, you know, definitely, a, um, you know, aware of a lot of, the, you know, the claims and the historical realities that, uh, uh, that 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 uh, t- that Tom brings up in that book. So, um, but yeah, I think so. It sounds like we're we're kind of in agreement there. I was just curious if there was any, you know, if there'd be any differentiation or not between the way we look at those subjects. You know, and I think it's I think I think your analogy is an excellent one because even beyond that, you know, people trust certain car variety. You know, okay, you know, I, I know this Toyota is not going to break down. I know this, sure, yeah, whatever else, and they have no idea why. But that's their experience, and and they don't need to know why. You know, it's enough. Okay, I know my mechanic can fix this. I know he's done good work in the past, and I don't need to understand that. And that's not to say I mean, there's still value in, in having that understanding. You know, we, and the, and the, the church wants to build that understanding. But the things we don't know, or that we only know through revelation, or that we only that we understand through belief, that can be enough. And if we can if we can backfill in the things that we can learn from that, wonderful. Well, and even my knowledge isn't exhaustive. Like I'm not an engineer, so I don't I don't understand the car as much as the engineer would as far as like, okay, well, like I know these things interact with these things to to create this effect. But the engineer's like, okay, well, we engineered this to withstand this sort of, you know, pressure and, you know, the mathematical calculations involved and all that. So um, you know, so there's certainly and I think with our faith, we can certainly through philosophy and and uh, good theology, get you know a, a closer and closer understanding of the truth. But there's a lot of things that there are some things that I think are you know the best we get is sort of a you know like, like Paul said we're looking through a through a kind of a foggy mirror trying to you know make a best approximation of it. Absolutely, I think that's that's spot on. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So uh let's see next subject uh 
I'll save, I, I want to get into political theory, but a little bit more, but we would save that for the end. I want to, how does Ayn Rand fit into, into all this? <laughs> well, she converted to Catholicism before she died. And uh, she became a Tobist. I mean, I keep saying this. She converted. We don't know exactly when it was relative to her death. Yeah, she, she clearly converted. I mean, look, the photo has a cross in it. She obviously converted. No, so we, we I think it was in one of our first roundtables, um, kind of ripped off a, an Ayn Rand quote. And she had a, a fantastic but very uh, egotistical quote about the only philosophers worth reading are the three A's, Aristotle, Aquinas, and Ayn Rand. Um, and we we decided that what it actually should be is okay. the only, only people worth reading are Aristotle, Aquinas, and the Austrians. Um, but yeah, um, there was a, a I'm gonna I'm gonna plug our stuff here. But but Caleb and I, along with Bolgov, had a, a, a gold guy we've also mentioned. We did a roundtable last week, um, going through Virtue of Selfishness by Ayn Rand, and spent several hours sort of going over a lot of her philosophy and how it relates and. Despite it being a couple of Catholics and a kind of half ex-objectivist, I'm not sure where Golgai actually ended up, but we were like, "Wow, this is this is really good stuff." Yeah. Um, so I, I think one again, if it's someone that had that much respect for Aristotle and Aquinas in the in the 20th century is just is worth sort of being aware of, because for the most part, until pretty recently, Thomism kind of disappeared from from the modern world. So a lot of that knowledge wasn't people didn't talk about it, people didn't think in those terms, people didn't were, were just doing a lot of really dumb philosophy. Um, and we, we see the consequences of a lot of that right now. And even though I think she she missed on a lot of things, she clearly had a deep appreciation for those fundamentals that Aquinas and Aristotle put together mm-hmm. um, and and expresses it in a way that that modern readers can really sort of can understand and resonate with. And she writes very persuasively. Uh, she also, as, as Caleb, I think, has pointed out in other places, she is her her critiques, the things that she understands that are wrong with the modern world are so penetrating and insightful and just devastating yeah um that i, I think that we sort of ignore her at, her at our own peril yeah i was gonna say i was great because everything she went against was wrong and she went against it correctly but because of her atheism she didn't have any viable solutions to offer so we're just left with the old woman yelling at people for why they're stupid um and she's right they are stupid and she's right um but she was not right all the time because of that you have to we have to read her and like okay like I could quote if I was arguing with somebody who was like a moral relativist, secularist, materialist, I could quote a lot of Wayant and it'd be completely viable and would work. But because of atheism, I can't be an objectivist. There's too many other problems with it. But was bringing out the best parts of her into best parts of what he said. I put this: all the best things he said could be said by a Thomas and be just as like reasonable. Like I don't think there's anything he said that was a, a, a anything good he said was so reasonable that it's hard to disagree with it because it's just it's a reason let her yeah well she she was fantastic and like you know whenever she did those uh tv interview <clears throat> excuse me uh those tv interviews and and people would would question her view on like why she wasn't like a big you know fan of like this hyper americanized uh patriotism and and like i remember the one we were asking her like oh but you but you surely you must believe in you know the collective good, and you know doing what doing for, doing what's right for for the entire country. And she's just like you know like you know in her own words like like no like f that that's gay. Like the only thing that, the only thing that's real is individual rights, and the government should only exist to protect individual rights. And you know it's like just how how clearly and 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 uh, confidently 
she would push back against like that that and and also remember watching those watching those interviews i was surprised to the extent that even back then like a lot of these silly uh like hyper nationalist socialist ideas were even taking root in popular culture back then you know sometimes i think we look at the past with a bit more rose-colored glasses and think like oh it wasn't as bad as it was today but you know, a lot of the stuff that's bad about today has been there for a while it just you know maybe it's gotten worse but it's not like it was uh you know it's kind of always been there i think to a to a certain extent so uh i definitely appreciate uh objectivism um although i what i like to say and this is kind of true of a lot of different ideologies it's like uh i, I love i love objectivism I'm not always a fan of objectivists. I was about to say the same thing. Objectivism <laughs> can't stay objectivists. Same, there was a, I argued this one recently. Um, Kevin Burns, he's in charge of like an objectivist political party. In, uh, I think it was either Ireland, Scotland, or some year old trash country. Um, I have my podcast, very friendly guy, but we just got, we started talking, is God real? And um, what is the better starting point of like atheism or agnosticism? And it was just some of the dumbest things I heard. Like his argument was existence is everything that exists and God doesn't exist. Therefore, we cannot be involved in existence. Well, that's begging the question. Exactly. Um, no, it's not. Because so. you know what existence <laughs> means. Obviously, Jacob. I mean, come on. That's, that was his argument. And it was it was so bad. Because he's a relatively smart guy who, because of his Randianism, he's just boxed himself into like, oh, if Wednesday was bad, it has to be bad. So I won't even read why it's bad. I mean, I think, like, I love the idea of, like, we start with our senses. You know, I actually, I was just on uh, Jose Galison's show uh, earlier this week. He hasn't released it yet, but, you know, that's what he said. Like, I start with my senses. And I was like, well, I mean, I think I do, too. It's just my senses tell me that, like, there's something, there's a there's a ghost in the machine. You know what I mean? Like, I have I have too many experiences and and observations through my senses that, there's more to reality than just, you know, the physical, yeah. uh, physical reality. Like it's not just atoms and, and, and cells and electrons and chemical reactions and, and stardust. Like there's more to, you know, like, like we're having conversations right now and like, I'm sensing a person. I'm not sensing a, a, a clump of atoms. I'm sensing a person and it's I'm like, sensing their demon in your mind yeah. that is just projecting <laughs> false you know realities what? to you. <laughs> I I don't know about that, but but there's some people that I've interacted with that I go, you know, I'm sensing something from you, like a spirit, but it is not a good spirit. <laughs> I thought I talked some NP, I talked some NPCs recently, and all I wanted to tell them was to, hey man, control or delete. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't I don't know how deep we want to dive into the epistemology here, but I, I think you make a good mm. point, Jacob. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna push back because I just got to do it. You don't you don't sense people. You don't sense that Caleb's a person. You don't sense that I'm a person. You sense you know, loud, quiet, high pitch, low pitch, fuzzy, soft, white, black, gray, whatever. And then your reason acts on those senses and you realize, yep, that's a person there. Because you don't have a, you don't have a sense that detects. And it's a, it's a, it's a fine distinction because it's the, but yeah. It, and the, and even beyond like the, the experiences that you're having, we can realize there's something beyond just the, the atoms and stuff, just by knowing that you're a knower, knowing that you are somebody that can sense things. Right. That's, that's sort of the, and it's, it's, it's a subtle point. I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to contradict, but it's a subtle point, but I no, think I get you. it, it, it's, you're, you're kind of clarifying or adding to what I said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is, is we, we sense things. Yeah. We, we know things. Then we notice, Hey, there's, there's somebody there that knew a thing. That must be me. <laughs> so there's, and, and that already is already different from atoms is, is knowers don't make sense as in part of just the physical because knowing is, a, is an immaterial thing that's, that's happening 
in my mind, whatever that is. And that's not a, that's not a physical location. No, my, 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 my uh, co-worker and best friend in real life is a uh, materialist. Um, and so we argued about the immortality of the brain and his end argument was any sewer you put forward. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. About being immaterial part of the mind, is this you uh, chemicals in your brain trying to cope with the fact that you are a finite life form. That how was the chemicals, How can the chemicals in my mind have a free will of their own to yeah, how can they say what we, well, yeah, well, it, it, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't track at all. He's a relatively smart guy when it comes to things that aren't he's boxed in. He's very boxed into his little box and he won't accept anything outside that box. But also religious people have their own box that he says everyone is putting stuck in a box and it's I'm working on it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, the problem is, is, and this is why, you know, you, you need faith and reason, because there's a problem with, uh, like, like the hyper rationalist, and then there's a problem with the, uh, I don't know, a good label for them, the, the people that just completely re reject philosophy and, and, and faith and reason. Fideism. <laughs> Rob. It's, I think no. it's called, I think, uh, I find it's called a fideism. fideism? I, there's not really a good ist for it. Fideus doesn't sound right. But I think Aquinas called it uh, fideism. Am I pronouncing that right? Uh, I can't remember what he called it. Yeah, I think, I think it's fideism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's fideism. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good to know there's a label for it. But yeah, yeah so I think, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I mean, it's, it, it's a little bit of a, you know, funny pairing but i agree that there's a lot that christians can uh can, can you know and libertarians obviously can can learn from from ayn rand and her work although i'm not a, not a fan of her fiction i found her fiction to be a little the fountainhead is really good anything else is not that's, i haven't that's my, read that. i've only stance. i tried to lead at atlas shrugged and was just like this is stupid maybe maybe i'll get it. the fountainhead a try but it's, i'm it's also really not a big good. fiction fan anymore to be honest like but i don't know well, you, gotta give, well, you gotta give flannery o'connor a try you gotta read some Fanny O'Connor. That is peak, my, my opinion, peak fixing. Not really, yeah, peak fixing. Yeah. I always get fixing, non fixing confused. Uh, well, real, real quick, last last thing that I ran. Yeah, one definitely like getting into something like Atlas Shrugged. Like you, you have to, you have to sort of. It's a marathon. Like you have to sort of prepare yourself for it. I was I was surprised when I, when we went through both of herself. Just like her essays are, are surprisingly good. And I'll say, talking about her, her her criticisms, I think even one of the things I think she's most insightful on, even though I, we sort of fundamentally disagree with part of it, her criticism of mysticism, I think, is is excellent. Um, and it, it goes back to what we're talking about is if with with faith and reason is if you is uh, there's a there's an issue. I think it's unfortunately rather prevalent in a lot of Christianity, even in Catholicism, 
is that a lot of Christians do kind of believe in the flying spaghetti monster and they don't really realize that that's what their, that's what their faith has led them to. Um, yeah. And, and again, that's, that's not what the Catholic church teaches. I don't think that's any of us, or I mean, we sort of understand enough to be beyond that. Divine simplicity supremacy over here. Okay. Right. The, the, there's, there's, it's important to understand that like, you know, that there, you can sort of fall subject to this. It's like, well, I, I, I believe things and that's, that's enough for me. Cause then you end up just, you know, you, you end up, doing things that don't make a whole lot of sense and you, if you don't have that grounding and reason you do things you, you don't understand moral theory i guess like, i think something that rand does an incredible good job of in, in her um objectivist ethic essay is okay what is it what should a moral theory be how do we build a moral theory um and and goes through the steps of okay what do, what do i know what is a man what do men do what is good for men and that's where a moral theory comes from and, I, and she kind of gets her conclusions wrong at the end because she doesn't really quite understand what a man is um but she gets close enough and she understands the basics okay what how should we think about things and so i think it's 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 excellently done and and even again even some of the things she says about morality or, or theism she does a pretty good job of understanding some of the issues and the pitfalls yeah sure. her, her understanding of morality is um she gets she gets lesser goods and what goods are and she gets a there's a lot to, there's a lot to love about her, her, her morality when it's when it's right yeah, I feel like the problem with Rand and, and other objectivists is that they don't, they don't, this is something that like, you know, this is kind of a Jordan Peterson argument, like they don't realize the, for society to function and for morality to be properly grounded, there has to be some sort of like metaphysical uh, substrate and sort of a, you know, and inevitably their human develop a sort of religious ethos to operate through Christianity is the best. You take that out, well, they're not going to just, uh, you know, derive something that's pure reason. They're going to, you know, what, what's, the le- what's the left doing right now? They're creating their own religion that's, you know, born out of, I don't know, at best it's born out of some weird amalgamation of of post-structuralism and Marxism. At worst, I would say it's just, you know, it's fucking demonic, but <laughs> it's, it's probably both. That one. <laughs> um, I think Marxism um, is wrong. I think it's all over the other here. Um, no, see, actually, we didn't talk about that. I want to, we didn't talk about we didn't we didn't get talked about this on the roundtable, sadly, because we ran out of time. But I want to talk about her. She had a quote about uh, psychologists who love religion but don't aren't religious who just claim it is good for society. I can't remember the quote, but she despised like she wasn't talking about. You could tell she was talking about Carl Jung, but she never said it by name. But she was clearly talking about the idea of someone who like Zora Peterson type who says, "Well, there's value in religion, so we should believe it is true for the value of it being true." And um, I guess I actually agree with some of her critique on it. I think you shouldn't believe it's actually because of the value it gives you, because it's true. Um, no, but I think I think it's actually more that you believe in it because the value it brings to not the value it brings to society, even the fact that society works with it and falls apart without it speaks to a it's there's something true about it on a level that like. It is encoded if it's if the truth of of a, a belief is basically encoded in our like our our evolutionary biology essentially then there, there's probably something uh to that which is kind of what jordan peterson says he's like this is I can't remember the quote but you would you would love it the quote from saint augustine on how um god's laws written on the hearts of men and it's about how every man yeah. has an interest of natural law and a teleology towards god kind of saying like i can't remember yeah. the quote but i remember reading it and just thinking this is amazing. He's got it. He gets it. Yep. Yeah, I think there's a good sort of deeper truth there. Like you were saying, like if, if, and Rand realizes this, but if our, our highest powers, our reason is our knowing, 
we're made for truth. We're made to know true things and find out true things. And so if we believe true things, it's going to be more, more resonant with our being and it's going to, we're going to thrive more. So like you said, you see societies that, that have true beliefs, even if it doesn't seem like it should directly impact how well they do or how well they thrive. Christian societies do better because there's that they are, they are somehow, um, they, they have, a, there's something more true about the way they live their lives. And it's not exactly the same thing as this sort of Peterson points like, well, maybe it's not true, but it seems to work. It works because it's true to some extent. Right. Like it, it's one thing if it was like, oh, it kind of works. Like, no, like if it, if it works to the degree that, that, that Christianity works in society, then um, both on an individual and a collective level, it's like, well, you know, it's not just a, it's not just like, oh, that just, just happens to work. And there's no deeper reason behind that. Like, it's just, you know, that's, that's kind of like, um, that'd be like if, if humans accidentally discovered that electrons flow through like copper and gold wiring, but never took the time to think like, Hmm, there might be a reason why, uh, we use these copper, you know, coils and then they, they power these machines and stuff. Like, I don't know why it does. It's, it's weird, but there's probably no deeper reason for it. It's just some kind of weird magic. It's like, no, it's like, why, like, why, why would you assume that there are reasons behind uh, scientific truths, but not think there's reasons behind psychological and and uh, and sort of like these these uh, societal um, historical truths that we see. It's just it, people. I think it's just people kind of avoiding, like intentionally avoiding asking that, answering that question because deep down they know the answer. I, I would say, um, and they're just living in denial. But we could do that for another hour. But um, what I want to focus on for the last. Uh, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes um, would be the political philosophy, because that's where I feel like, um, you know, th th that'll be a little, bit, a little bit interesting. I know Caleb's kind of been going on a bit of a roller coaster uh, over the last six months with his uh, his political um, beliefs. Uh, I'm assuming from your name, AC, that, that you are uh, an anarchist such as myself. So, um I don't want to make this into a debate, but you know, they're, they're, I, I'm a, I'm anticipating some disagreement between the two of you. Um, so, uh, AC, I think you and Ancast might be more aligned than me than Ancast and myself. Okay, I could be wrong on that, but I think you guys might have, you guys might agree more than Ancast and I would. Well, we'll see. Um, but let's start with AC. Uh, you know, based on you know your Catholic and uh, uh, Thomist uh, beliefs, you know, what, what do you think? Uh, Catholicism, the Bible, Christianity—you know, you know—how do you derive your political uh, beliefs, and you know, w what are those? Sure, and, and I'll, I'm going to go back a little bit when we were sort of first talking about this idea of Austrotomism, and and you know, is it sort of just took two different ideas that we both that we liked and sort of stuck them together? Um, and I, I I think that's you know that can sort of that can work in the short term, but ideally you want to have a, a coherent philosophy. You know, the, like like we talked about, the world is coherent; the world you know works the way it does. So if, if somehow Thomism or Catholicism and anarchism were at odds with one another, if they turns out they're not compatible, I need to drop one of them, um, you know, or I'm, or I'm not living, I'm, I'm living a disordered life. I'm, I'm effectively in sin, not in sin, because I might not be aware of it, but I'm, I'm doing something that's bad for me by having this inconsistency. So as best I can figure it, I think they, they do agree with one another. Um, and something that I really want to try and work on more. And I think, again, Rand sort of starts on this path a little bit because she's starting from, from reason. But it sort of is deriving some kind of anarchist ethic or moral theory from those first principles. Um, 
from what I've read, understanding, you know, all, all the greats that all of us are pretty familiar with, you know, looking at Lockheed and homesteading, understanding the ideas of the non-aggression principle, um, which is as best I can tell is, is seems to be pretty well in line with a lot of, a lot of Catholic teaching and a lot of, a lot of just this fundamental moral philosophy. Okay. What, what's good for a man? If I have a free will, what's the purpose of my free will? Is it, and if it's, if it, if it's a part of me, if it's an important essential part of man to have a free will, then, then acting to, to, um, or acting in, in against the free will of another man would be immoral in that case. So Best I can tell, that sort of nice libertarian tradition of okay, you know, initiating violence is immoral. Um, that's something that I think we're, and I'm, I, I want to try and at least for myself try and make this more grounded. But I think one of my big projects is saying okay, making a very clear connection to yeah, the NAP um, is something that is just derivable from from Catholic teaching, from first principles, from Aristotelianism, from from um, Thomism, and that's about as far as I go. Is is I understand okay the there's a lot of things, you know, the NAP is a pretty clear prescription on, okay, these are things you can do, these things you can't do. And it's not all encompassing. There's certainly a lot of things that are immoral that have nothing to do with the non-aggression principle, but at least as far as a, as a first principle of social interaction, it's, to me, it seems like it's pretty morally correct. And everything else from there is sort of application is we can have some different ideas about the best way to sort of apply this or the pragmatism things. And I'm, I think there's a lot of interesting ideas. Most of the people I end up talking to sort of in this, in this post-libertarian camp and want to want to utilize a lot of force in a lot of ways. I'm like, uh, is, is that moral? Maybe like, and it's, it's, a, it's a hard line to walk, but philosophically, uh, I, I, it seems like um, if I want to do moral things, something like a, an anarchist um, ethic is the moral one. And I, I have trouble seeing outside of that. Well, to use their own arguments against them, I see Andrew, um, Popular Liberty, a, a lot of time using the line uh, when he's debating Ace and others, like, like you know, things breaking causality. And to me, it's like, okay, well, if we're talking about breaking causality, how do you derive a good from a bad? It's like, if we're going to take immoral means and forceful means, and then, and then somehow we're going to use, you know, evil and force to come to peace and liberty, it's like, I don't... I, I think that I think that is a a huge break in causality to me, but at the same time, I do recognize that there is. To be fair, it, it is sort of hard to you know I'm I'm as anarchist as they come, um, but I, I do recognize that there is a a fine line to walk between political realism and principles. I actually, mm -hmm. I just uh, that's a lot of what my conversation with uh, uh, Kyle uh, the other night was. I don't know if you caught that, Caleb, yet or not. Um, but, but we kind of, after we, we, we kind of talked about borders for half of it, but then the second half was sort of like, you know, trying to find that, 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 uh, that fine line, because you don't want to, you don't want to do the peak, you know, as criticism of living in Encapistan in your head, because you're just useless at that point. Um, but, but I think there's also, you know, there's an equal opposite error to make on the other side. And really what you're trying to do is kind of find a balance between, you know, you know, pushing your principles into reality being effective without, you know, crossing certain lines. Um, but so I can, I can appreciate what you're, what you're saying there. Uh, and I'll, I'll jump in real quick. You, you mentioned at the beginning, the sort of the, the ends justifying the means idea. And that's something that, that, that is, is drivable from, from principle. And I think, I think Aquinas did it somebody, but that, that's very clear in Catholic theology is the ends don't justify the means yeah. is, is evil means are not permissible because you're not God and you can't, you can't anticipate what the ends are going to be. Right, yeah. Um, God can God can can absolutely uh, work amazing good from 
the you know uh both accidental and intentional evil of men but but that is because god is god <laughs> and yeah. and and we cannot do and, and also when god does that it doesn't make the evil less evil and the people that do the evil still face punishment for their evil mm-hmm. it's just he you know works good out of it because he's yeah but yeah that, that 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 as far as i'm concerned is unequivocal is 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 the ends are not justifying the means is you can't sit there and say, well, I shouldn't do this, but I like the results. You are, you are sinning. You are doing as you should not You can't not commit do. more evil than you're trying to prevent. You know, that's the thing. That's that's very... something, but you, you, you should not commit evil that good should come from it. That is, that is yeah. morally you can't do that. not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the, that's the kind of the sin of the original sin, right? In the garden is kind of like man saying that we can, we can, uh, we, we can go it on our own and we can, you know, we you know we can control things. We can be sovereign over ourselves, and and, and was, you know that's that only only God. You know, like the whole the, the the kind of the the idea of like the the tree of the knowledge of good or evil. It's just like you know we were in a sense. You know, when Eve took the apple and ate it and Adam ate it, it was like us saying, "Well, we can we can define good and evil, and we was, can be um, the arbiters of it." And 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 yeah. that's that's not possible. I, I would say that it was a um was. A, a lie of egalitarianism. Say uh, the snake said, "Be Disney, be like God, and you're no good." You know, right. So it was a lie. It was a lie of uh, egalitarianism. It was actually, that's the logical point I get from a lot of Marxists who dedicate their books to Satan. <laughs> which is um, this? I mean, it's a joke. Right? People told me no, Marxists actually dedicate their books to Satan because of this. And I'm like, I mean, they're not they're not wrong theologically. I don't think, but it's, it's kind of weird to see that that parallel. Yeah. All right, so Caleb, you 100% agree that anarchy is the way, and the podcast is over, right? Oh, absolutely, I 100% yeah. agree. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm the uh, violent kind of anarchist. So, um, oh, you're we, an ancom. We're talking about someone uh, Martov Cock that left us, right? That's what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> I was I was joking about the communists in the chat earlier, Caleb. <laughs> oh, I was, yeah, me too, man. Totally, I'm, I'm not. A, there's, no, there's not a communism flag behind my uh, poster over there. Um, <laughs> No, you know, you know, Fakertarians said they were going to send Antifa to attack my house. I, I, I guess, I guess you're going to drive up from Florida to do that. I mean, I would love to come and visit. Uh, also, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so if, if Jacob, if, if uh, Caleb asks you where you live and says he wants to come hang out, do <laughs> yeah. not tell him. I'm a Fed, y'all. I'm a, fed, I'm a straight Fed right now. Um, no, I, I don't. How about this? Uh, politically speaking, I am. I don't want to say anything hard. Uh, how about it? Not hard. Not hard. Um, be harsh. Be cruel. No, I don't want to say anything definite. Uh, de- de- definite right now, because I am still learning and going along the route and seeing how far, you know, how far I can go with four things. Okay, I've I've lost principle. Okay, this next step would be no more principle. Trying to see how where is the line? You know, how far can I push the line to be still within principle and still act to make effective change? And so. I don't want to say anything like uh, definite on my po- my politics all because they're still learning. I I will say um, monarchists. I think is very in line with Catholicism. Um, I think covenant communities would be how I do. I mean, um, my politics my thought my, my political system would be a pass a Yarvinian patchwork style system. Um, but it's really it's like how do we get there? Is, is it gonna happen? Is it gonna happen naturally? How much you have to push it? Is um pushing is how to put this the ministry of truth thing from earlier kind of common you know there's um left creates a system of left left creates a system of government or a what's the word i'm looking for um a new department a ministry of truth 
if they create that, then the right, when they get in power, dissolve it or use it against the left in the same way the left uses against them. I would argue that's already in existence. It's to be used justly, not targeted, but it's to be used justly for, okay, well, you don't have a right to lie. I would make that a thing. And this is a state of property. Are, are there any things that, if created into existence, cannot be, like, there is no just use for? I mean, could, 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 I mean, like, you know, I mean, if I was, I'm trying to think of something. If, if there was some sort of virus that only... I mean, abortion, there's no just use for the abortion technology. I mean, it's, it's, there's no way to... I mean, that, yeah, that, I guess that, that, that'd that be a good example. Or... Yeah, but I mean, I guess my point is like I don't know. I I can't think of a good a good metaphor or, or comparison off the, off the top of my head. But but my 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 intuition is that things that exist in nature, things that God created, always have a just use. But yeah. things that man create, sometimes you can find a just use for them, and sometimes you can't. Like sometimes yeah. there are things yeah, that are just totally. like there is no good use for this. The only the only just response is to abolish it, or in the, the meantime, to refuse to, to 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 refuse to partake in it. I agree. Um, but it's more of a question of how I put it. I'm trying to be very careful with my words here because I don't, I don't want to say something that I don't agree with, but I also don't know 100% what I, what I believe yet. Um, that's how I put this. Well, do you do you believe that it is moral to to initiate force against somebody who is uh, not uh, you know, who is not initiating violence or force against anyone else? What would we consider lying and deliberately misleading people on falsehoods that could cause harm, violence? Because I, I can make an argument that lying someone into, and harming themselves is violent. Lying someone into believing a falsehood, like leading someone down a path that is lies and falsehood is harmful. And so I can make an I argument. Agree. So if that is if that is the case, is that certain things you can say, okay, this is factually untrue, this is, this is a lie, you don't have a right to spread harmful lies to people. So there could be an argument for the left is spreading harmful lies about election misinformation or COVID vaccines or anything like that that all they are using to actually harming people. You could make an argument that it is a just saying you just use that that power to cross that down. It makes okay, you cannot lie people into harming themselves. I think you can make an argument for that being a completely fail. But it, it is like we're using state power, what's law state power is immoral, but I don't think all state power is inherently it's a tool. A tool that can be used for good and be used for bad. The tool has been used for bad a lot, but I don't think it um I put this Law of power isn't handling evil because it's built wrong, but if it's built and already has funds for it, it's and you can't give the funds back. It's like, okay, we have this gun, we can't dismantle, let's use it for good. I think I think I think it'd be a fair argument for that. It's not the ring of power. Is, I mean, we could we could we go, go Lord of Rings reference. But. We we could go round and round on the the the, the political strategy debate, but I, that's not the purpose of tonight. And I and and I'm too tired to do that at the moment. <laughs> but but I guess but I guess what I, I want to get at is like let's make a a differentiation between political strategy and the political ends that we're trying to achieve mm. so if we're going to leave strategy off the table what is what are the ends that you are are trying to achieve i want amazon of- and the catholic church to win the entire world um, <laughs> <laughs> no no i don't want that um my so i'm a big believer in that I want Elon Musk right. to run the entire yeah. world yes um, space, spacex in the catholic but, church we need we the space pope. i love it yes i would joke that if i would become a priest i want to become the priest that's on mars and become the first bishop of mars that's my, um but um my i'm a big believer in like localism and you should like federalism honestly like you should build a local government that's your state ideology you shouldn't have to 
the problem with democracy is you're forced to live and deal with the consequences of people you can't stand and can't stand you. So I'm all for localism. So whatever gets you to the point where if my local government could just be a Catholic monarch, I would want that. How do we get to that point? That's the issue. But locally, what I would want is a company town with a Catholic church that is involved. But is it is is this monarch somebody who can rule over people who haven't consented to that that monarch's rule? I would say that would be bad. I would say you need like an eight away kind of thing. You buy into it, like okay. a company can make complex claims. Right. Um, or you know, no, you often spells out a great system in patchwork that I think should be. Um, if you're going to be into politics today, you kind of need to be you need to have read some Yavin because I think so much of what he's done has been so influential that you need, you need to understand a lot of Yavin to kind of understand a lot of. So, so basically, you know, your your ideas are the same as Andrew's, essentially. Andrew and I are in almost 99 percent agreement. There's okay. a few things he says I want to push back on, but I know he's right. <laughs> I just don't. I just, he said something today in a group chat. I'm like, I know you're right, but I feel gross agreeing with this. You know, and that, that's how Andrew makes me feel sometimes when we're talking. I'm like. You're right. But the thing, the thing is, it. like, I so I, I mean, I feel like what you so I mean, like, when I describe my beliefs, Andrew goes like, "Oh, well, that's 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 essentially monarchy." And then Andrew describes his beliefs to me, and I go, "Well, that's essentially anarchy." It's like we're <laughs> so it's just like, but it's like what what uh, I think at the end of the day, the way I define these terms are: what are the relationships of men to their fellow men? And the relationships are essentially anarchical, not, not, you know what I mean? So I think what we're striving for is a society where uh, men are not ruling over other men, but rather we want, you know, property rights, voluntary associations, and, uh, you know, the ability to opt out, I guess, you know, and have that localism, have that decentralization. And to me, that's, you know, I think anarchism describes that better than monarchism, but you know, I, I guess that's a it, it, the, problem is that the, the problem with both these terms is they are used by so many people who like people say, but I think those guys are anarchists. So I was a communist, you know, until you got your monarchist, you think you're a global monarchist, you know, it's like, these yeah, but there's people you can say you're a Catholic and people will think that means that like you're some kind yeah. of you know, pedo, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm not, I'm not a public school teacher, come on. Um, but it's that's the problem with a lot of these political terms are so old that they have been used by so many different groups of people which is why you really have to start adding like corporate monarch or yarvinian monarch or um catholic monarch. you have to start like adding prefixes to your terms like, like anarcho-capitalist you have to start adding things to it to actually make it specific well but you say anarcho-monarchist just 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 split the baby in half okay just just <laughs> just, just just do both <laughs> i think that's pretty reasonable and i'll i'll add to i think one of the things that gets confused here or that that i think the People get messed up with these terms. And what you hear from a lot of anarchists, and, and Jacob Munich, this idea that of, you know, no one rules over anyone, is this idea of authority. Um, and a lot of anarchists will just be, or I guess the, the sort of caricature of anarchism is that there's this rejection of authority at all. Um, that, you know, you don't, you don't, and I don't think you are, you believe this, I certainly don't believe this, but you know, that you don't, you don't submit to any kind of authority. There are no legitimate authorities. And I think I'm, I'm a boss. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, no, there's, absolutely, there's such a thing as legitimate authority. But I think, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think, I think that, that's where the character like, of anarchy is that, that you yeah. lose this. Because I, I, you know, I can imagine, like you said, there could, you could have such thing as an anarcho uh, anarcho monarchy. You could have an anarcho um, feudalism if you wanted to. But it comes down to to voluntarism and and what is what is a legitimate authority? And and I think that comes from two sources: is one the the family is you know the 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 father is a legitimate authority over his family. The, the parents are legitimate authorities over their children. And from volunteerism, I can choose to submit to a to a given authority. 
And I think that's still consistent with anarchism because it's it's a voluntary relationship. And that, you know, I have a hard time seeing how that would work in a in anything that would sort of look like a classical monarchy. Um, but you can certainly have, you know, a, a landlord. You could have a like, you know, so like a feudal lord and say, okay, yeah, if you want to work on my property, you can work on my property. Here's the rules that we want to go by, and you end up with these sort of Hoppian style covenant communities. But there's, it's still voluntary. It's still, it's still based on those fundamental principles of of what what are licit interactions among men. Yeah, my my entire system we summed up was all exit, no voice. I think if you don't like something, you should leave to where you do like something, and you shouldn't get to have voice your opinion that destroys what people do like that is in the area. Like this is the trap of like democracy that the awesome majority rule is like a fact of reality. Um, that if you're in a system, it's like it's a hundred people in a city, and they all like this one guy as a as, as a king, and you don't, you shouldn't get to disrupt everything. You should just leave. That, that's my view, and it. it's all exit, no voice. You shouldn't be able to disrupt the flow of majority people in the land of if look if, if location. Now, if it's evil, you should leave as well because you shouldn't be a part of something that's evil. But it's okay. So that that was what I was. I you know I kind of I, I try not to to get too autistic on twitter and debate you on things because i feel like 90 percent of the time it's just you're like andrew being edgy and i feel like at the at the I'm end of the day i'm just bad i'm just bad at it <laughs> so well i mean at the end of the day it's it's, it's like i tell andrew it's like listen we have different takes on how to get to the destination we want to get to um which i don't even think is a bad thing i kind of feel like we need um i mean if the end goal is going to be decentralization which means that different regions will govern themselves differently that only stands to reason that you know likely the road to get there is going to come from people doing different things and so i try not to you know people want to do their own thing to get to a more decentralized privatized society it's like you do that i'll do my thing and you know hopefully we, we 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 both make it to the other side and can you know trade with each other that's the ideal society that we we want to live in so i mean and you know we can we can debate over the the labels all day, but if the end goal is essentially the same, then I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, I, I think so much. There's so much autistic screeching over over the different labels that we use. Yeah. But I'll bring up the, your your point to decentralization is this beautiful idea in Catholicism called subsidiarity, mm. and it's this idea that that the the decisions get made by the most localized competent authority. So the, the like you know the, the family makes its decisions to start with you know the, the, any decisions the family can handle the family handles. Um, if it needs some higher authority, you, you go to the the you know the local parish or whatever, and it can all the way up. Um, and I think sort of the anarchic angle to that would be that there are very 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 few things that can't be decided at the at the most local level, which would be the family or the individual. Is there's there's not all the, if you if you really understand what a competent authority is and what decisions can be made and, and the spontaneous order of the market subsidiarity tells you that all decisions can be made at the at the most local level which is the individual or the family yeah lutherans have a similar thing uh the the mad cupboard uh, confession of faith which in there they go into like the idea of the the sovereignty of the most local magistrate uh reformers have their own thing called sphere sovereignty and you know a lot of these ideas are kind of like they, they echo each other. Um, and, and so, yeah, I kind of, I, I agree with that, you know, essentially, you know, it's, it's all, you know, decentralized uh, living is biblical. Uh, I think property rights and Austrian economics are biblical. Um, you know, I just did a, I released an episode earlier today, actually, where I, I I'm actually doing a series now where I'm going into different uh, uh, parts of scripture that kind of go into 
uh, kind of like that, that teach and demonstrate, um, you know, Austrian economic theory within the passage. Like I did Matthew 20 today, which is like the parable of the, uh, the workers in the vineyards and how like, so like at the beginning of the day, there was the worker, he, he hired some workers and pay, he offered them one Daenerys to, to work in the, uh, the vineyard. And then like throughout the day, he keeps on adding more people later and later into the day, including like at like the 11th hour, he he adds some people and they work one hour and then when he goes to pay them all he pays them all one Daenerys um and the people who started working at the beginning of the day are like well what the heck we worked longer we deserve more and he's like um no it's my property do with it whatever I want he's like you agreed to one Daenerys and that's what you're gonna get and the other people I can give them more if I want to if I want to be generous and who are you to tell me otherwise and I just thought like well that's so a that debunks labor theory of value because you you know you don't automatically earn more money just for working longer hours or doing more work so value doesn't come from necessarily just from from doing more work um and b it's like you know the the idea that with your property you can do what you please and then three actual value comes from uh you know the subjective agreement made between two or more parties two or more people so it's um it's, that's it's, that's it's, fantastic. It's kind of. I, I, I never really know. thought about that passage in that in that way, but it's you're exactly right. Like it's there's, there's an endorsement <laughs> of the concept of private property that you can do what you want with it. That there's there's free exchange, and that's that's beautiful. I'm going to, have to it listen does, to that episode. It seems to get into um just uh, what was it called? Just price. Is it called just price too? I can't remember. Is it is a term a lot of Catholics had um. This view was for economics class was just just price series things you cost at just price whatever that's just price is worse and a lot of later cash I take that say well you have to create a system that you can value states it was a market labor theory of value but the just price they said is really whatever two people agreed to pay for the work right. is the just price and so yeah. I have a question for you real quick um and Catholicism usually is a sin did Protestantism like is that across the board you agree usually and like that kind of stuff is a sin as well because I don't really. I didn't hear that word. I was Catholic, and so I, just, I never. What is that. usury again? Refresh my memory. Uh, uh, fundamentally, it's loaning at interest, but I think the the modern usage is loaning it is loan sharking essentially. Oh uh, yeah, well I think, I think yeah, I think Protestants in general would say that, you know, there's reasonable interest, and then there's predatory interest, and and yeah, there's you know, okay. So, I, I pretty sure you guys would agree. But I just wanted to kind of make certain hear that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I think you know, Christians when they're lending money to each other, I think they would, at the very least, frown upon charging your fellow Christian brothers and sisters interest. But, um, uh, and and in general, I think it's best to not borrow money if you can avoid doing so. But that's a, that's a whole different thing. Well, the government will learn that, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> you just you you know what you do, Caleb, is you you sell. Uh, a bunch of uh, treasury notes, and then when they come up to expire, you pay them by uh, selling more treasury notes. Oh. And you just keep, you just, you know, just keep, just, just keep yeah. doing this. You know, what I mean, it's, it's fine. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I mean, you you need the population to be in debt so you can control the population. It's just, just like exactly. it's, just, it's literally just like I paid off a credit card with my other credit card, and then I paid off my credit card with another credit card. It's like. The holy trinity of credit card debt. You have three credit cards and two of the companies, <laughs> and you just keep the payment cycling. Well, we, need to, we have to apply subsidiarity here, and just that's what I need. Like, we all just need to start issuing. Like, Caleb needs to issue Caleb treasury notes, and then when they come due, just pay them off in, in new Caleb treasury notes. 
I'm going to invest in Caleb coin. That's my new, uh, that's my new investment strategy. Is, is, is right, NFTs. Uh, oh, love making NFT. All right. Well, we're coming up on time here, guys. Um, <laughs> so God, we're done with, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> you brought up NFTs. I'm out. <laughs> Dude, what what is an NFT? Can someone explain it to me? I don't know. No, it's a I, it's I, a I uh, image that you pay money to own because that's <laughs> well, how the internet works. I, I, I think the the idea is it's it's you can use encryption and blockchain stuff to to verify that okay I've I've, I've an original owner of whatever image it is. So if anyone says you can go back and check the record it and say okay who's like the who's the originator of this data? I love okay. the screenshot it and say now I own it too. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like it's still transfer, but like you you couldn't pr- like you would not be the owner of record, but you could still have yeah. it because it's, it's again just, it's not it's real a, property. It just seems like, a, like I'm like I thought we didn't believe in intellectual property, and now we do, and I don't I don't I, yeah. whatever. I don't <laughs> listen, I don't know anything about intellectual property anymore. Uh, Kinsella and I are blocked intellectual, and so now we just don't. I, I've forgotten all about it. Dude, some of the best people in our movement are just like too autistic for their own good. I, I wouldn't mean, consider him one of the best people in the movement at all, but okay. Oh, I mean, he's 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 contributed, you know, some good. He's, he, he, I don't know. And if, you want, if you want to be a Hopper student, uh, Hughesmon is a much better Hopper student than uh, Kinsella. Also, uh, um, who's uh, good at Hughesmon is a Catholic, and so that's a great pick. You know, it's like you know, I just <laughs> and we didn't get into it because like I didn't I don't want I didn't want to put you guys on the spot without like giving you like I, I would if I was going to do a Q and A about my objections to Catholicism, I would want to give them give you my objections ahead of time so you'd have sure. time to prepare. I'd be um, to do it later though, if you wanted to. Yeah, we can maybe do that another time. Um, but it's just like I on one hand, there are so many things on a theological level that I disagree with 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 Catholics on. Mm-hmm. But then on a personal and philosophical level and also in a sort of like historical cultural analysis, I just I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm more and more cringed out by protestantism because it seems to me to be like a, a road to nowhere and and it's like well, what, somewhere well and to nowhere good <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's like and I, I posed this question on twitter and i was like what what like you know where in the protestant world is anybody having any effect on the culture and then people just the only answer i got was like well what are catholics and i'm like well i'm not saying they're perfect but like they have to like if if there's anywhere in cons- in the conservative christian world where anything has been conserved it's in the catholic church and in the orthodox church protestants haven't conserved shit <laughs> you know the, the protestants might have conserved less than republicans and that's saying something <laughs> so it, it's just like again it's sort of like you know judge a tree by its fruit it's like okay well I have some issues with this one tree, but uh, this other tree is just like it's not producing fruit. It's just producing more trees. It keeps the it's like the tree keeps cutting itself in half into more and more trees, and they're just getting smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where they're not even trees anymore. They're just shrubbery and they're useless. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's 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 where I'm at. I'm still I'm still trying to figure out what where the heck I. Where the heck I'm supposed to go? I don't have a, I don't have a theological home. Well, <laughs> also my main take on Protestants for the opposite of what we were talking about with objectivism earlier is I have serious problems with Protestantism. But all the Protestants I know are like I've, I've loved them more than than most Catholics. Like there's there's too many obnoxious Catholics. Like I love the the Catholic Church, but I love Protestants probably more than like a lot of the Catholics that I know. 
so I'm the opposite, good. but maybe that's because I only know like the fundamentalist. You, 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 yeah, you sort of you, you get to see the, the inside of the nitty gritty. You probably do some some awful Protestants. <laughs> well, like, down, awful, I don't know where you you live, AC, but like, actually, down down south, there's a lot of like Southern fundamental Baptists, and they're yeah. they're the cringiest of the, uh, of yeah, the I'm, Protestant. Well, that's we, who I'm we, super excited about. The three of us are probably the, within like 500 miles of each other. Um, should, need to do a meetup at some point. Yeah, no, they're 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 crazy, but they're lovely people. <laughs> I'm actually too excited for this. There's a big get together one of my friends having when he's he moved away, he's come back down, so he's bringing inviting everybody to his house to hang out. And I'm gonna see a bunch of the old uh, church friends I haven't seen in like a year. And I know what they're gonna say because I've gotten text about it saying, "Hey, I haven't seen you at church in a while. Are you okay?" And all of them assume I'm an atheist now. I don't go to church anymore. Um, and so I'm very excited to tell them I'm Catholic. No, a lot of them are probably would probably see. prefer you be an atheist to a Catholic. I know they right? would. I know they would because I, I remember. I would I would make a before I was Catholic I have I held a lot of Catholic positions and I would make the Catholic case for something and they just be like you might as well be an atheist if you believe that I'm like okay shut up you need to find somebody to just be completely over the top with like your presentation just like show up like with a rosary draped around your neck um you know just a crucifix in each just just go as over the top as possible with the Catholic I might still put a habit I might get online <laughs> sure, by a habit yeah. right, you guys, yes, you enjoy, you're, you're a nun now here here's one quick question which I feel like is one you guys would be able to answer and I think I've already seen the answer to this but I think pro like some of the anti-Catholic Protestants straw man Catholics and say that the sacramental system the, the sacramental system is a distortion of the gospel because it, it sort of suggests that salvation comes from works within the catholic church and and sort of like uh you know doing certain things and that your salvation salvation is never secure um essentially which i i i don't know from i'm not an expert on this but from what i've heard from catholics i don't think that's true i think that the system that you guys have is less about like you're not saved if you don't do this, but more about like this is the normative means by which God, uh, th through which you know Jesus works to continually uh, forgive you and and keep yeah. you on the path to sacraments repentance and going after get Him. Life, you know, the, the sacraments that help you get through right. Things. It's not a it's not a means to salvation. It is like it is. It's not like you're not saved without it, but it, it's sort of like. It is the intended path that God wants your salvation to be walked through. And while you can walk other paths, like you don't have to use the sacramental system, I think Catholics would say, but they would say like, you're just, you're making it harder by not doing it. Is it, I mean, does that, is that accurate? Or I don't know if, if, if it's not, that's just, that's sort of what I've gleaned from some of the Catholics that I've listened to on the subject. Yeah. I, I think that that's okay. The, the, Thing that I think is, is really important to focus on is that we are we are you know what is it I think it's the the letter of Saint James that faith without works is dead is that there's you know we 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 are, we are, we need to live that faith we need to act that faith and we don't we don't just we don't just exist in our minds like we've been talking about you know we're we're sense creatures we exist in the world we interact with the world and so you know you say okay there's there's the sacraments are certain things that God wants us to do to go along that path. That's true of anything in our life. You know, that's, we, we manifest what we do. It's not just about what I believe. It's not just about what I think or what, if, whether I'm saved or not. But I, I need to go out and live that faith and do those things. And it's because we are embodied and because we are physical creatures and because we interact with, with beauty and with, with real substances. And that's how we know the world and that's how we can learn to know God. That the, 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 the actions we do matter and have meaning just manifestly. 
Let me, um, let me put it this way. Like, does salvation come through the sacramental system or does it come through accepting what Jesus did on the cross? It comes through accepting what Jesus did on the cross. But if you if you accept that and you accept his church, then you you, you want to do what he tells you to do. Right. You want to you want to live that faith as well. And if the one of the things he says, you know, here's here are ways to access that grace or to be to be more able to 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 make things easier to live that life. You want to go and do those things. I would agree. But I guess like the only worry that I would have is like, is it is it, again, that's kind of what I said, like, like I could I can understand the argument like, well, uh, the sacramental system doesn't isn't what saves you. But this is what God, you know, instructs us to do in terms of walking that path of salvation but it's not like it's possible for those to be for people to be in error but to still be saved depends on the uh nature of the ao i would say but on on this topic like for 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 protestants who are not partaking in the sacramental system i think catholics would say they are still saved they're just they, they are walking a path of salvation that is not the optimal path that god created through what you guys would call they're they're making they're making it harder for themselves you know take take reconciliation or confession for example is 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 we have access to this grace to try and to try and help ourselves Mm -hmm. and can you manage without that sure is it is it a lot more difficult if you're if you're unable to to relieve that 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 burden of sin with some regularity you know it's it's the the sacraments are, are are available to you so that you can you can have a lot easier time being saved and so you can do you can you can live that life more fully i mean there there is real grace there is real grace in the sacraments to help you continue to to maintain your faith and to live a good life um you know they, they talk about the about um the eucharist being you know, bread for the journey is, is this is this is something to to strengthen you on your way and you can do without it i guess maybe but I mean, you, yeah, you, I guess you the part that the, the part that I have a hard time wrapping my head around is the idea that there's some sort of literal grace or, or literal presence in the sacraments or the Eucharist. But but what I the value that I find is that like I think that it, it's more of a a psychological or spiritual value in terms of like it, I, I think what makes it easier is that um, doing things within a tradition. And within a system that is sort of that that that's oriented uh, around, uh, trying to figure out how to word this, that's sort of oriented around the sort of biblical and godly archetypes that 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 we we observe, and sort of like I think the sacramental system, sort of like you know doing confession and 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 all that is, you know, th- these are ways to walk you know to to walk your path with christ to 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 you know repent when you when you sin in in ways that are a benefit to you because of the ways in which they are pointing you towards christ and helping helping to orient you in, in a full sense both body uh mind and and spirit towards christ does that does that make sense like that that's that's at least the way that, that I would construe it. I, I, sometimes I think what where Protestants like me get a little, you know, pushback or we don't quite agree is like the idea that like, because it sounds weird to say like, oh, these things have like the like presence of grace in them. Like, because it's the, the implication could be like, oh, what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough. 
like he didn't fully save you. And so you have to keep going back and getting like, you know, re-upped on your grace or you'll lose your salvation is sort of the, you know, uh, the assumption uh, or the interpretation that a lot of Protestants have of, of that Catholic system. Right. And we, I don't think we want to dive too deep into it, but there's this idea, you know, okay, you, you, you can, you can be like, you can, you can fall back into sin. You can, you can fall to temptation as you can, you can, you know, accept. And, and I know some Protestant donations would probably disagree with this or would, but you know, you can sit there and say, okay, you can, you can profess your faith and then you can do something horrible. You can lose your faith. You can, you can relapse back into, into sin or into, you can, yeah, see, you can that's, that's definitely where yeah, I would I would disagree with that. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that, that 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 this is and so would you say if if you do that then it wasn't ever a true conversion? I've heard that argument. Right. Exactly. That's exactly. I, to okay. me, if somebody and I think this is you know what Paul says. He's like they departed from you, so you you would know that they were never actually uh that they were never actually one of us. Basically, is what Paul mm-hmm. said. Like I'm I'm paraphrasing there, but that's what he sure. is basically what he says. Like, they, they they departed from us so that they were new that that we would know that they were never one of us. Um. So it's a false conversion. And so, I mean, I, we could we could spend hours on this. I know we could, yeah. <laughs> and so, I, mean, yeah, so I don't want, I don't want to dive too deep into it, but yeah. But so if and I th- and that's but I think that's gonna be a, a key point of contention that sort of would need to get resolved for these things to make sense. Is if um, yeah. I just think you if you can have if you can have a true conversion, and then if you if you can if you can still relapse into sin, and maybe not even lose your faith, but if you, if 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 mortal sin is a thing, if you can if you can act in a way or believe in a way or feel in a way that can that can sever that relationship with God. Um, by your own action, even even after you've even after you've you've converted or after you've you've given your faith, then, then there is then there's a purpose for the sacraments. The sacraments can have a, have a role, um, hmm. but yeah, I, I I don't want to dive into it. But I think that's that's something that would that's that's the sort of key issue that would need to be resolved is is you know can I fall from grace after I've after I've um, after my baptism essentially. Two things sure. real quick. I just sent you a link to a book that is the book on on salvation from uh, Great Jimmy Aiken. You said. Also, I have to be at work in like five hours. Um, yeah, no, we're, we're going to close I, up here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I would love to do a part two on this if you would like send a question yeah, in advance and yep. like prep for it. But I, if we could, I, I'm, I'm exhausted, y'all. Cool. All right. Well, thanks everybody for watching. Thanks, Caleb. Thanks, AC, for uh, joining in. And uh, uh, yeah, I think it was a good conversation. And we'll definitely do a part two uh, sometime down the road. So uh, um, you guys want to give your plugs quick before we head out? Yeah. I'm Catherine, go first. Yeah, sure. Um, so at Eincath on Twitter, um, anarchocatholic.substack.com is where I do some of my Catholic writing, some of my anarchist writing. Um, I'm also one of the contributors for Ostrotomism, which I think is currently at paleotomism.com. We'll probably get that fixed yeah. at some point. Um, but yeah, I no, really appreciate you having us on, Jacob. It's been a really fun conversation. Cool. Um, yeah, ostrotomism. Uh, paleotomism.com, uh, ostrotomism on Twitter, uh, Caleblon549 on Twitter, Face Living Practice on YouTube. Uh, go subscribe to Adam Nutter's podcast because he's great. <laughs> I got to plug Adam <laughs> so I take up. Uh, you can definitely get to come to his so. <laughs> 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 Oh, That was great. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my plugs. Uh, come follow me. And if you're not stupid, I won't block you. Fair enough. All right. Thanks again, guys, for coming on. Thanks, everybody, for watching. And remember, until next time, don't fear the fire.
save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in store and on Menards.com. Save big 